What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boys, and you're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, returning guest, live once again, Jerry Carita from Thorny Comics. We are here to talk about two projects that he happens to have live on Kickstarter, uh, Tales from the Cloak Room and the Grizzly Crew. Thank you for being here again. Thank you, James. Good to see you, man. Oh, man, absolutely, man. Look, the, the last time we talked, we were talking about Cicada Samurai. Um, just to get right into it. I, I remember this being kind of like the flagship of what you wanted to establish with Thorny Comics and to be an established publisher and being mm -hmm. ha having the ability to release multiple projects, especially all within one time. So I would say you've actually started started off on that foot. Brain of Dracula, I got to I got to speak uh speak about that. And now with these two projects straight out of 2024, like you weren't bullshitting. Well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Now I'm in like, I'm in full frantic uh, fulfillment mode. And um, I also, you know, I'm, I'm doing Kickstarters for all these projects. And so something I had to do was set up a second account, which is like a little absurd. But, you know, it just it just happened to be that, you know, the, the Cloakroom project, which is an anthology, I, we had set when that was going to happen. Um, and we didn't want to move it. And, you know, the Grizzly Crew project, which is my own thing that I'm writing, just kind of crept into it. And I knew there was going to be overlap. I didn't want to have to push the second thing or wait for the Grizzly Crew for another few months. So I opened a second account. So now I'm in the uh, kind of ridiculous position of running two Kickstarters at one time. And if you, I don't know if you can see the bags under my eyes, but whew, it's like, <laughs> it's like I thought about getting a second phone so I could keep hitting refresh on both campaigns and just like sweat it out right up until the final hours, you know? Well, luckily for you, you've uh, of course the past funding for for both projects. So, congratulations on that. Thank um, you. First, we I mean to get started on the Grizzly Crew because it's literally a project that has another twelve hours until it's until the campaign is completely done. Uh, right. I, I remember reading where basically you said you heard that uh, a lot of children's comic books always had a hard time on Kickstarter. They do. And I learned and I and I I knew that going in and I did it anyway. And I don't I don't fully regret it, but it, was, it definitely was challenging. And there are things I learned that I would probably do differently next time. Understood. But, um, but yeah, like the Kickstarter crowd is more, you know, they're looking for things you can't get in stores. And I think a lot, a lot of stores carry stuff that's good for kids, because I think it's probably the most common question people get apart from do you guys have the new issue of Saga is do you guys have something I can give to my eight-year-old to read? You know what I mean? Correct. That's like the most common question, people who don't read comics, moms, dads who don't even read comics are walking into comic book shops and going, I think my kid wants to read comics. What do you have that I can safely give to an eight to 10 year old? And so, you know, all the stores carry something like that. The big two yeah. publishers, they publish like origin stories for all their superheroes that are like very kid friendly. Mm -hmm. um, so people don't have to go to Kickstarter for it. They go to Kickstarter for the more, you know, not safe for work stuff, violent stuff, really indie kind of out there concepts that you're not going to find it like a big publisher necessarily. And so, you know, it, it, they struggle a little bit more and I'm seeing that and, uh, you know, but it's, I hit my numbers. So I'm, I'm good. No complaints, no regrets. Got you. That now what basically in encapsulating a story like the Grizzly crew, you, you, I, you reached out for a little bit of help and that help came from your son. Yeah. So, so what happened was this was about two years ago and it was the day that uh, mid journey came out the artificial intelligence thing and mm -hmm. i think like everybody everyone was trying to figure out if how scary it was 
everyone was trying to figure out if yep. they were going to use it, if it was the end of the world, is judgment day upon us? Like, is Arnold, Arnold about to come through the window and murder everybody? You know, so Skynet. I, I was in my office. Yeah, Skynet and all that. So I was in my office messing around with it uh, literally the night it came out. And he walked into my office and saw what I was doing. And he I this is before I did Cicada Samurai. So I, I, I had Cicada Samurai in my head. So the things I was feeding to the to the AI was like samurais and bugs and stuff. So I had all these like weird, like a wasp that looked like a monster and all these things up on the screen. And he walked in and he sees all of it. He's like, what is this? And I told him, I'm like, it's an artificial intelligence art generator. He's like, I'm six, dad. What does that mean? You know? So, yeah. so I explained it to him and then he started feeding me stuff. He was like, what about it? Can it make a Spider-Man monkey? And I'm like, I don't know, a Spider-Man monkey. And it pooped out like a dopey little gray haired Spider-Man monkey thing. And then he said, what about a minion wizard? And it made like a, like a minion, but like feathery for some reason with like a little Harry Potter wand. It was weird. Like, right, I don't, right, I don't right. know what, why. And then, and then he said, what about a, a pirate bear? And I, pirate bear. And especially when those things first came out, the AIs and stuff, they're terrible with faces. Oh yeah. So it create. it's still, they're still awful. Still and they, they, it, it made like a silhouette of this monster looking bear with like a deformed face and it was terrifying. And so he's afraid of bears. So he just was sitting there staring at it on my screen, you know, and I got like a multiple screen setup. So he's looking over here and I'm like, okay, he's having a moment. I'm going to go back to work over here. And I start going back to what I was doing. And suddenly he just starts telling me about the bear. And he's like, um, his name's Captain Grizzly. Mm. And I was like, what, what's that? <laughs> he's like, the bear dies, his name's Captain Grizzly. And I was like, oh yeah, it's cute. It's a bear, it's cute, it's a fun name. And I kept on working. I was like, barely paying attention you know right right right. and suddenly he's like he's the captain of a pirate ship and all the pirates are bears and i was like that's cute that's a good idea that's a good idea and then he was like they look for treasure and the treasure looks like gold but when they get it they squeeze it and it's really wax and it looks like gold because it's filled with honey because bears like honey dad and when he said that then suddenly i was like i stopped typing right and i started like wait what i realized he was like onto something yeah he's building this out yeah, and then t- this is like 20 seconds into the first conversation. He goes, it's called the Grizzly Crew. And I was like, why are you already better at this than me? And I started writing everything down. And then we started kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And, you know, we, we were going all through the kinds of bears and who's on the boat and all this stuff. And, right. and um, you know, so I immediately, like, you know, I, I put the AI aside. I don't I didn't use any AI in the making of this or any of my projects. Just to put that out there. I'm not, I'm not into it. Uh-huh. Just want to be clear, right? It was an idea. Um, <laughs> it was literally like the first night the thing came out, and I was like, I, "Everyone's messing with it. I got to have the experience so that I know what it is I'm not using or using or whatever." Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to my buddy Nick Justice, who's a great artist that I worked with through Blue Juice Comics, and I fed him all the characters, and he started sending us character designs. And then Harlan and I, my son's name is Harlan, we were bouncing the ideas back and forth about the story, and he's funny because like you know, kids are impatient and they've only been alive for a short period of time. So time, like a couple of days is forever to him. Oh yeah. So he would go, is the book done yet? Like a weekend. He's like, is it finished? I'm like, I haven't even written it yet. Like slow down, buddy, (laughs) you know, like slow down. He's like, can we see some pages? I'm like, all right, who, like, am I, are you the boss? Like, like he's the publisher, you know, you know? Um, so it was a, it was a really funny experience and, you know, we kind of, um have been still bouncing ideas off of each other about future parts of the story and you know i always take notes and we come back to things that we said and kind of make stuff up 
but it all kind of fell out of him and his fear of bears. And I think he was just processing it and came up with a funny story about bears. And so here we are. Nice. It's funny because I'm sitting there overanalyzing. I'm like, wait, I'm like getting like Muppets Treasure Island vibes from it and everything like that. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, he was I, like, I felt myself. I was like, man, I was like, this is pretty close to it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was basically like, he's because he's so, you know, we, a few months earlier, we were, I forget, we were in like North Carolina somewhere and we were in the car and my wife was like, are there bears around here? Like just in passing. Right. And yeah. I, I think I said, yeah, there are probably, there are bears in these woods, but you, you'll never see one. Like that was it. That was the whole conversation. And a few minutes later, like Harlan was really upset. You know, he was like crying in the back at the vague idea that there were bears around. So he's, you know, he was really scared of them. And so I think this was like his way of kind of, he saw the scary bear pirate thing that I made. And then he was yeah. like processing it in his head. I think I probably have the image. I could probably show you if I can, let me see if I can find it on my phone. Right. But, um, you know, it was, it was like, it was a really fun experience, like coming, going through it all with him and trying to figure out how to, you know, how to tell a story about a group of pirate bears and is everyone in the story a bear or an anthropomorphic animal or what, mm. you know, and we landed on no, <laughs> they're not, they're not all, but um, yeah, I do have it. I have it. So this is what was on the screen when he walked in the room, right? This kind of thing. Oh, like a big, scary wasp monstery thing. I mean, that actually is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it was, and this is like, if you feed an AI something really vague, it's, it's, it'll do like an okay job of making something that like looks like what you're asking for. But again, if you, you know, if you're, if you're being specific or you want something that has like, this is the bear. That's the creepy. See the face. Yikes. It's like his eyeballs yeah. down by his mouth. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's like awful. It's like, you know, deformed. It looks like he has an extra leg back there. It's weird. It's like if one eyed Willie really was a bear. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what he was staring at. And he just kind of came up with this story. And so, you know, here we are. Nice. And and when you when have you told him about the concepts of Kickstarter and basically like look we're oh. gonna we're gonna put this oh. out there. It's gonna get oh, funded. Dude. When I cro when when the campaign crossed over a thousand dollars in funding, he started asking me how much of the money was his. Uh, like see, I knew that was coming. <laughs> he gets it. Like he gets. You know, he's like the concept of like he totally gets it. Like how many have we sold? You know, he's like he's on top of it. Well, you know, he's in charge of creative IP, so he's looking for his percentage. That's it. No, hey, man, someone should think that way. You know, I, I spent most of my life not thinking that way, and I definitely regret that. <laughs> but e even in the overload of concepts, I mean, shoot, I, I feel like you putting this out, at, uh, well, literally at the same time you were putting this out. <laughs> yeah. Just felt like it was an <laughs> overconsumption of what you were doing. And, and now you got yourself a kids-friendly book and an anthology but you've also, in yep. in, a, in that period of time, have taken over a popular IP that, that delves into horror with Reign of Dracula and mm -hmm. even jumping into Cicada Samurai, which is pretty much going to be in our hands pretty soon. That's four projects in probably around eight, six to eight months. Yeah, it's a lot. It's um, It definitely is a lot. I think it's, it's I think part of why I'm able to, why I've been able to like get, to get through it while having three kids and a day job and all that is things like, um, Reign of Dracula was all almost ready to go. You know, Reign of Dracula, there was already a script for the first two issues. So Reign of Dracula is a continuation of Cult of Dracula and Rise of Dracula written right. by Rich Rich Davis and uh, Les Linden Gardner is the artist now. And we had, 
we we did a campaign that ended up with like 20 something covers it was like a ridiculous i'm gonna be fulfilling that camp <laughs> be fulfilling that campaign in my nightmares for the next like 15 months mm -hmm. and um but the book itself is like fantastic and less is uh, just the terminator when it comes to deadlines and completion and stuff so so the book was essentially almost finished you know it's in letters now um he had to finish the last few pages we're printing it, it it's written as a six issue arc uh -huh. um but we plan for kickstarter to print it in three double issues so it'll be you know, a 46 page first issue, part one, part two will be another 46 or 48 pages and so on for three parts. Um, but, you know, Rich had already written it. So it was really just, he was yeah. looking for someone to help him publish it, get it out there. And, and he wanted to do a Kickstarter. He hadn't done one before. And I was almost done with Cicada Samurai and I had, I had done another one with Blue Juice Comics. So, you know, um, so we partnered up on it and um, it was a challenging thing. I, I don't know if I'd ever do that many covers on anything ever again, unless I had a team of people like, yeah. you know, like a group of people. That's all they do is manage that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not there yet. So it'll be a while before I do that again. Um, but that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And it's kind of, you know, I'm a little bit all over the place now because Cicada Samurai was kind of an anime looking action story, you know, mm -hmm. and the Reign of Dracula is more of like a gothic-y horror story yeah um literally taking place in heaven and hell this 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 story and like in black and white really dark you know cicada samurai was really bright and colorful mm -hmm. and then um you know the grizzly crew looks like a saturday morning cartoon like that was the idea that was the whole idea behind it and then um you know the anthology is like anything you can imagine and we could talk about that if you want you want to get into the anthology because that also when does this drop when does this appear in people's inboxes oh what what this campaign yeah no like our conversation here like we're not live so when when is this when does this uh probably this will probably be dropping tomorrow okay great all right so because the the grizzly crew i think will be over because it, yeah. it's, it's over tomorrow morning so you'll mm -hmm. So if you're listening, if you're watching, you will have just missed it. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> but you right, can, right. But if you're if you want to go find it, it'll probably I'm gonna set up the backer kit store pretty soon. So you'll be able to pre-order it um if you miss the campaign. So just Good. follow Thorny Comics and all that, and you can find it that way. That's the one I did with my son. Um but yeah, the anthology, the anthology is going for another two two weeks now. Yeah, because I'm remember, really excited about that. I remember when this this campaign pretty much first hit. And I've been uh, I've been subscribed to the our, our best jacket series on Substack. By oh, you're in Scott, Scott Snyder for a little bit. Not one of the paid ones, but I'm I'm one of the ones that like listen to a lot of the podcasts that he put up for the writing class and everything like that. Right. But I remember when the first one came out, and I was like, "This is." I've always been a fan of anthologies, whether it's been done in a comic medium, whether it's been short stories that were just done in books. Or right. it was even done in a movie medium. Like I, I like vignettes that like Creep Show and Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, thing like that. Oh like yeah, Twilight those are awesome. Movie and Creep Show to movie. You know, to yeah. where I got these short stories. So each one of these, there's like there's probably around like twenty stories in the first one, eighteen in the second one. Each right. one's about four to six pages, and they all delve into a little bit of a sim. They all have the same symbolism, and it's all the jacket. The jacket, yeah. Yeah, so which I thought was like really cool, and it's it's super like super good rich stories in here. Like yeah, there was one called the Human Experiment about a couple robots that um 
I guess they were they were raising a human child and they had to get this human child off of the planet. And yeah, I know the story. Yeah, I know and the it, story because we're actually there's a there's a human experiment part two in this one, uh, not uh, in not in the first issue, but coming 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 later in a, in a future you. issue of the cloakroom. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean the 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 tales from the cloakroom is awesome, and and the, the, they were so the backstory is you know a couple of um not a couple I think in the first in the first uh, the first volume was like three or three or I think it was three people, and it was three people in Scott's class. Scott Snyder does his uh, writing workshop through his Substack, Our Best Jacket, right, and right, so right. three three people in the class decided they were going to put together an anthology of stories from everyone in the class that became Tales from the Cloakroom. And cloakroom is sort of a play on our best jacket, so it's all connected that way. But mm -hmm. it's all people; it's all created by people who are in Scott's class, the editors, the publishers, everyone who put yeah. it together. Yeah, and there's there's been a what I guess two iterations of this class. Um, yeah, there was there was one on one. It was basically all through signups, all through subscribers when Substack first got on, and right. uh, I, I guess with with this very first one that came out, it it just went from the writing class. It was like, hey, we're just going to all just start forming our own comics. And then it was like, right. by the way, we're going to all put this in one anthology book that's going to get released later on. And right. then, then also all of a sudden, like there was a, the, the second class hit and it was almost the same thing. And I was like, these stories are real good. And it, I always yeah. thought it was good for creators. Of course, there was a wanted, wanted to get out there for the very first time artists as well uh, that, that, that wanted to put out their own stories for, for the very first time. And this, this is, they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think Scott Scott does this whole thing where it's kind of he loves teaching, he loves talking about the craft, and so you know we had it's this big collection of hundreds and thousands of people who are listening to him talk about the process. A lot of us are aspiring, you know, comic book creators ourselves, and so I think people just needed an outlet. Like, as soon as someone in the class said, "Hey, I'll take it over as a project," and let's 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 publish our stories and connect it to scott and 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 the, and the substack and all that you know kind of like tangentially not like directly but um scott has been super supportive of it he lets us put his name on the cover you know scott yeah. snyder presents yeah. yeah and uh yeah and so you know they did they did one issue they did one volume and it's kind of a herculean task getting together 20 short stories for a volume and so that group of editors decided they weren't going to do it again so a different group of people in the class did volume two um, and kind of picked up the mantle a year yep. later. And then I, I joined the class sometime in between volumes one and two. A lot of conversation about this happens on the Discord. And I wasn't mm, on Discord until okay. more recently. Gotcha. So I missed I missed the first campaign. I didn't, I bought in on the second campaign. And then that group of editors were like, you know, a lot of them are still in school. Like these are, some yeah. of them are very young. Yeah. And and so they were like, well, you know, I, I have, I'm doing my, my master's this year and I can't do another one. So you know, it was going to fall to another group of people to the mantle for this thing again. And so um, my partner on it is Veronica Howell, who's also in the class. And we decided, why don't we, instead of trying to get together, because we both, you know, I have a day job, she's busy, I have three kids, it's kind of crazy. So instead of trying to, trying to pull together 20, 18 or 20 stories and doing a volume, we turned it into a quarterly, like sort of a magazine. So uh... every every three months, there'll be a new issue of we shortened the title too. So now it's just called The Cloakroom. And so it's Scott Snyder presents The Cloakroom. Um, the first issue is on Kickstarter right now. It'll be on until March 12th. Um, we've already hit our funding goal. So it's guaranteed that it's going to be printed. So that's, it's safe, you know, to do that. And um, 
there are seven stories in, mm-hmm. in the first issue. Uh, they range from four pages up to, I think our biggest one, I think is, is I want to say 10. It might be 12. There might be a 12 pager in there. Um, and so, yeah, if you're, if anyone is looking at it, it's you're supporting literally like the most independent of indie comics. Like we're pulling it together. We're not, you know, Veronica and I are not, even though it's being published by my, my um, imprint thorny comics, we're not taking a profit. We're not like, we're actually probably going to be out of pocket a little bit when all is said and done, oh, wow. but, but we wanted the experience, you know, like we're paying for our own experience. We wanted to be editors. We wanted the experience of working with new writers, right, some right, of them right. more experienced writers. It, we wanted to exercise that like mental muscle. Cause it's different from when you're writing your own story. It's very different. Sure. Like, yeah. And so and, and, kind of, Oh no, no, no. I, I read over a lot of the story descriptions and yeah, they seem real fascinated. Suicide by zombie Widowmaker. Like yeah. how these are more so transformed because I can imagine how the how the first ones uh, were and how they were like formulated. Is, is is it all the same symbolization from the first two? So we're not we're not doing that. So the first two had sort of a prompt. They yes. wanted everyone to kind of write about the jacket. Okay, and we decided to forego that, and we we kind of mm-hmm. we kept the name, the cloakroom, to kind of stay you know in the family with the Substack and the previous two iterations of the book, and also. Um, you know, as just like an homage, like, again, it's a cloakroom because it's all kind of, the theme is really just what have you learned from Scott's class that you can apply to something that you've created. Mm-hmm. And so that's what all these books are. And so, you know, we're actually, we actually have a lot of pages in, in the, in the printed version of it that um, are not even story. So I think there's 50 something pages of story in the, in this right. first issue. And it's just an issue, you know, and then we're like, it's big enough that it's coming perfect bound. It's not, it's not going to be stapled. It's going to be perfect bound book. Um, and then um, each the pages are divided by you know a one page thing where the creator for that story will talk about what they what they took from Scott's class, what they learned from it, and kind of how they're applying it to what they're, the story they're telling. You know, correct. Um, which is which is awesome. You've you've listened to the podcast. Like people listen to him talk about it, and then we've had everyone in, in the class, like all the people who created stories for the book. You know, it runs the gamut from like. One time Scott said that a good way to, you know, set up a mystery story yeah. is to have three three characters and one of them doesn't know what the other two are up to. And it's a very basic, like simple setup. But one of our creators went home and wrote a story with that setup that night. And right. that'll be that'll be in an issue of the cloakroom at some point, you know. And so there's other times where it's just, you know, hearing other people because Scott will take your he'll take students work and kind of critique it in the class. Mm-hmm. And so other people have just said just the fact that Scott Snyder is taking these completely unknown people's work and like showing it and like other people are out there making their books. And that inspired me to make my book, you know, so it runs a gamut from all those things, like just kind of inspirational and and or just an idea, something he said or something that, you know, Kyle Higgins or um, Will Dennis or one of his guests said. And that, it seems like that's the way he talks. So if you listen to a lot of those and, and the podcasts are like they're, they're formulated podcasts, but they're like seven to 10 minutes long. And yeah. he'll go through a particular portion of how like I think the last one I listened to was how to implicate genre. And then right. all the while mm-hmm. he's talking about uh, how he's formulating the writing for the um, the show, Witches that's going to drop on Amazon Prime. Right, but or how comics has has had a good relationship with horror, like that's been that's what that's yeah. 
Yeah, and he'll do interviews with other creators that are sometimes longer episodes. You know, he'll do cl- full-on classes where he's uh, critiquing work. There's actually an Eisner-nominated short story in the first volume of that. Mm. So the beekeepers do. The beekeepers do. Yeah, at the end of the book. Do. End of volume yeah. one. Yep. yep. And that was an Eisner-nominated story for best short story that year. Um, so it's like, you know, there are a lot of really smart, good, upcoming, up-and-coming, young just an experience new, not even young necessarily, just new. There's a lot of people like me who are, I'm in my forties and I just haven't done this before. So I'm in the mm-hmm. class, you know? Um, it, and it's, it's great. The whole thing has been a great experience and working with my partner with uh, Veronica Howell on it has been wonderful. Um, she's like organized in all kinds of ways that I'm not. It's like we make a good team. Right. And, you know, we've already got, we've got the first issue is almost completely finished. You know, the campaign is over in two weeks. By the time the campaign's over, the pages will be done. Mm-hmm. And we've already got a lot of work done on the second issue, which is still three months out. And so every three months, there'll be a new one until Scott Scott tells us to stop, gotcha. basically. So so when exactly, since this is now in your hands and you've mm-hmm. uh, you've you now have the ability to where you've uh, you've gotten one funded already. When is one of these short stories going to be you? So Veronica and I just like we talked about that early on because we're both writers too, and we mm-hmm. not, neither of us. I don't think I want to put one of my own stories in the book until three or four issues in at the earliest. Yeah. I oh. want it to be because I have another outlet. You know, I make my own my own creator own stuff that I'm publishing myself too, and and you know, I think I want. I like that this project is a way for me to meet all of my classmates to work with them on something. Um, I like that part of it. So if I just published my own thing in there you know I, I don't know i feel like it would be self-serving so i probably i might not ever do it oh okay but, the, but we'll the, see now would you say that like uh as far as anthologies go were, were, were you a fan of like the the vignettes like the alfred hitchcock presents type oh type yeah lines? oh yeah i used to love i used to love amazing stories when i was a kid yeah. TV show. yeah i mean my geek thing when i was young was tv so all my all my creative stuff like that is like you know um was the Crypt Keeper, Tales from the Crypt. You Tales know? from the Crypt. Like, yep. Yeah, that was another like really goofy, funny horror thing. I used to mm-hmm. love that. Um, you know, what's the, the more recent show was Black Mirror, right? Black Mirror is like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Like, the, I love those kinds of like twisted. You get a taste of some some of what like twisted story is in one other person's mind right. for 10 minutes, an hour, you know, one issue, a couple of pages, like whatever it is. It's nice like being able to dip in and dip back out of something like that it's really kind of like a fun little just a moment you get to have Mm -hmm. a moment and it's it can it can be perfect and it doesn't need to be this big sprawling story all the time you know sometimes it's nice that it's like here's a moment that's twisted and fun and Mm -hmm. wasn't that like awesome and sometimes it's awesome yeah i i I vaguely remember always from even not only just the movies but even some of those tv shows they would actually have some real good A-list actors doing oh, yeah. those shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they used to love that stuff. The actors used to look, because again, for them, it's a day, like they go for a day. They do it for a day. Yeah. It's like it's like fun, you know? You get They get to be out there. They get to take risks, you know? You used to see like on the old Twilight Zone and stuff like that, and um, you'd see actors who were coming on to play a character that they would never play in a, in a movie. Yeah. You know, so I think it just let them like, do you want, do you want, you know, William Shatner on your thing? Like back in the original Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. you know, he, then he comes and he does whatever he wants, but you get William Shatner and he gets to, it gets to be weird, you know? Oh yeah. It's kind of fun that way. So like actors, I think love doing that. They love, they love like having a little, a day, again, it's a day of something weird and yep. twisted. 
couple it's of the, years of work, you know. It's the John Lithgow, who's like the most serene actor in the Twilight Zone. Yeah. The, the gremlin on the plane scene. Yep. At the yeah. like, I, 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 I can still remember that in my head consistently. Yep. Like, one of the craziest things ever. A guy just... Everybody understands that story, like the about Gremlins. Gremlins, of course, being such a famous IP in the movie, but right. the actual folklore of Gremlins being something of a, a, a fictional creature that takes apart things in midair. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, as far as um, Thorny Comics and how yes, you've been building this brand and how fast you've been building this brand um what do you what do you what is the hopes now for um how you're formulating your year because you've kick-started already it's only february i know um i'm i'm probably going to slow down for two months mm -hmm. at least and and catch up on fulfillment okay so i owe that i've i've cicada samurai was my first campaign um you know, so far people have gotten the digital copy, mm -hmm. you know, the, the printed copy is at the printer. Now I'll have that in my hand in two weeks, I think. And then I'll start shipping it immediately. Mm -hmm. um, Rain Dracula is in surveys right now. So that'll be right behind that. And then, you know, I'll have Cicada, I'll have Grizzly Crew and um, the cloakroom to do. And we're already prepping a new cloakroom issue, you know, so that'll be up in three months. So I, I, what I've been doing is trying not to think too much about building it right away as a brand mm -hmm. because I'm just starting to get into this really and I'm enjoying it. And part of what I'm enjoying right now, at least, is that I'm kind of all over the map. You know, I've got like an all ages story, a horror thing, like Cicada Samurai, sort of an amor, you know, like they're all kind of completely different kinds of stories. Um, and I'm enjoying that part of it. I'm enjoying that, it, that I'm kind of a little bit everywhere. I think when I start focusing on building Thorny Comics as a brand, I will probably want to narrow down and kind of focus on a genre or, you know, a couple of genres. So people know, you know, you come to Thorny Comics for a certain kind of story. You find a niche of people who are really into that and kind of build an audience that way. But right now I'm kind of enjoying that I'm a little bit all over the place. So for this year, you know, uh, what I'm hoping is by the end of the year, I have completed Kickstarters for two more, one, two, oh, good Lord, three more. What am I talking I'm making it sound like I'm going to take it lightly and then I'm realizing how many things it is. Yeah. Two, at least two more issues of the cloakroom. Okay. Um, one, one more Cicada Samurai, one more um, Grizzly Crew. And depending on how production goes with, with Rich and Les on Reign of Dracula, whenever that is ready, I'll be ready to kickstart that again. Nice. But that's already, that's like five more books. It <laughs> is five more I, books. I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to take it easy for the rest of the year. And it's like, you know, so. <laughs> well, as soon as you get into the latter end of the summer, you're, you're preparing for con season now. Is there an expectation yeah, yeah. of Thorny Comics, like taking basically all these publicized kickstarters and their indie comic books on the road i i am not ready to do that yet i'm okay. focusing on build, building my library a little bit first i just don't i've been to enough conventions with blue juice comics and i went to um and i've seen you know writers and artists who are there i like i have to start building a ground game but mm -hmm. i i i just would want another couple of things to put out on the table before i show up and do a banner and buy a table at somewhere. Yeah. Um, when I when I do start doing it, I'm going to hit smaller ones first, definitely. Gotcha. Like 
I've done New Jersey Comic Fest, Brooklyn Comic Con. There was a slightly larger, like mid-sized convention in uh, Fairfax that I did that I really liked, Fairfax Comic Con in Virginia. Mm. So I'd probably do a bunch of those for a year, you know, or two before I even think about like hitting one of the big ones as Thorny Comics. Gotcha. Um, that said, I still work a lot with Blue Juice Comics. You know, I'll I'll go like we're probably going to go to MegaCon next year. Um, mm. We're talking okay. we're talking about. Um, we're talking about Baltimore next year. You know, there's a couple where we've been yeah. in discussions about. So, um, you know, if I have books ready, I'll bring them and they'll be at the table with Blue Juice. Nice. Now, now as far as fulfillment goes, you've now played your hand at being creator and publisher. Which one? Which one do you are you liking more? I, you know, it's like a it's a terrible answer, but I like both, and, and for diff, for very different reasons. Okay. I, I've always like as a writer and a creator. Like I, I work in television too. And I, and I feel like I've always been a better editor. Like if you give me a blank page, I'll just stare at it forever before I get mm-hmm. started. I'll just stare at it literally forever. Um, but if you give me a pile of stuff, if you give me like a bunch of footage, I'll sit with an editor and we'll figure out how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I have a bunch of stuff in front of me to work with, I'm like, it's like a, what do they call it? Like a textile learner. Like a, yeah. I like to, I like to feel it and like move mm-hmm. the pieces around, but you know, I'm not always great at sitting down and forcing myself to actually create the pieces from nothing. So I've enjoyed doing that a lot on Grizzly Crew and on and on um, Cicada Samurai. But on Cloakroom, I've really enjoyed working with other writers and helping them make the best version of the story they want to tell. And kind of training myself not to think of things like, well, here's how I would write it if I were you, which is a, not, not what an editor does, you know? Right. The idea is to kind of like, ask questions, discuss it, kind of talk about how certain parts of it sound and feel to me, and then kind of help them, you know, get the thing across that they want to get across in the best way possible. But yeah. like for them, for their story, make the, I want them to feel like they look at it and they're proud of it and happy with it. Um, you know, more than like me thinking like, this is how I would write this dialogue. Like mm-hmm. it's not about that. And, I, and I've really enjoyed that. I've really, really enjoyed, um, I think I just like collaborating. So I like being in the room, you know, and like talking, talking through the ideas. Well, definitely. I mean, if if your experience as a TV writer has shown that and the the, the way that basically you've been able to formulate things that have gone onto the screen, because I obviously aside from just reading it, you can see it. Right. So I, I can imagine how that is. I mean, I'm I'm more of an observer uh, than anything, but I, I, could, I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've really enjoyed both. I think it's very, it's very, it's definitely rewarding in a way that nothing else is when you write something and you, you know, like work with an artist on it and then it, it's finished and you can hold it in your hands and look at it and be like, I, I made this thing. And I think you always kind of look at it and find little things that you would write differently now, even like a few weeks later, a few months later, years later. But, but there is nothing more like satisfying than that making mm-hmm. something and it's done and now it's in the world and you did it, you know, um, that's, that's like a really, um, just rewarding feeling and experience. And so I'm, I'm, I, I definitely love that part of it. Right now, now taking tales from the cloak room from a medium like Substack and the way that they've done these two books and putting it out there. Um, what do you feel is like the best, uh, I guess, accomplishment of putting a, out a, a group of young writers stories for the very first time. Um, what do you mean? No, I mean like, uh, 
mainly from the standpoint that like you got a you got a bunch of young writers that probably never published anything. And generally through these first two books, this was their first crack at anything. So like right. on your end, you get to do it. You you have you you have your hand in putting out brand new stories from somebody who probably has never put out a comic book in their life. Like, does that seem more fulfilling than anything as well? I mean, that's pretty, it's, that is also very fulfilling. They're, they're, the, the experience level of, of the people in the class is kind of all over the map. Like some people have had short, you know, mini series published with public with small press publishers and stuff in the past. Some people have been self-publishing for a while. There's a lot of people in the class like me who've been run a few like smaller Kickstarter campaigns and have been just putting their own like one or two issues or, you know, something like that out there. Um, I'd say the, the, what's the nicest part of it. And I hope this continues is it's, it's like a whole community of people that kind of sprouted up around Scott and it's all super supportive. And like mm -hmm. the way Scott always talks about like him and his generation of, you know, comic writers who are all huge now. And like, he came up with a class of people, you know, and then there's like a class of people behind him who are like 10 years younger and are 10 years newer to the whole thing and are popular now. And then there's like us, you know, mm -hmm. some people from this class are going to be, you know, Donnie Cates and James Tynan in like 10 years, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the idea is that um, I, I really enjoyed being part of that. Because um, I know that some of these people I'm working with are going to hit it. They're going to decide that this is their what they're going to do for a living. And like someday I'm going to pick up a Spider-Man comic and I'm going to be like, I published this guy's first short story, you know, and that's going to be like just a nice little moment for me. And I, and I yeah. hope that like I hope that as I if I if I'm able to keep growing Thorny Comics the way that I think I will, you know, in the future and I'm eventually putting books in stores and, and doing more traditional distribution in, in addition to the indie stuff. Um, the kind of direct-to-customer stuff on Kickstarter. Um, I would love for a couple of these writers to come back to me and be like, I have a series. Like, yeah. Let's do a series together. You know, that's kind of the goal. I like, I, you know, I think that we can all kind of keep growing our creative, you know, endeavors together and kind of, I think we'll wear each other's props and stuff. I think that'll be nice. Absolutely, man. So, hey, I appreciate you doing this with me uh no it's always a pleasure talking to you man especially and now that i know it i'm gonna have cicada samurai in my in my hands pretty soon <laughs> but um uh, of course tales from the cloak room has another two weeks as far as the campaign is concerned mm -hmm. uh grizzly crew is pretty much going to be done after today so hopefully yes, they'll be able to get their hands on it uh you said through your website possibly the the backer kits they'll be able to push that on the back end yeah, so what I've been doing is my I have I own thornycomics.com and so I've just been redirecting it to whatever I'm doing right now. So right now, like if you did it right now, like as we're speaking, it would go to the to the Kickstarter campaign. After this, the Grizzly Crew, after the Grizzly Crew ends tomorrow morning, I'll redirect it again to the cloakroom. And so anyone who looks up thornycomics.com, it'll go to the cloakroom campaign. Right. Um, probably a week from now, I'll have a pre-order store set up for the Grizzly Crew. And then I'll redirect it again, you know. So if you're ever looking for what I'm doing right now or what's available from Thorny Comics, you just go to thornycomics.com and it'll automatically take you to whatever whatever's next. Excellent. Excellent, man. And and definitely tell your son to keep keep the ideas coming. <laughs> I, oh, I will. Oh, I did. I started, uh, I, I invested in like a little, a little recording app on my phone, you know. So next time he starts, walks into my office and goes, Hey dad, let me tell you about like foxes. I'm going to just hit record and start, mm -hmm. start, like, go off, start man. keeping notes. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me whatever you want to say, buddy.
Absolutely. So, Jerry, I appreciate this again, man. This is this was real good. So uh, congratulations to you for the Grizzly crew and uh, look forward to the in the next couple of weeks when this anthology is pretty much done their campaign and we'll be able to get that out out there in fulfillment as well. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So for James Grandmaster Facts and the uh, Facts Project, Jerry Carita with Thorny Comics, go out there, get Tales from the Cloakroom right now. All right. So from the Facts Project, we are out.